Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. You just stack information in your brain, or you can think, how can I actually just like upgrade my operating system? First, we have to go back to the foundation and say, how does our mind work? How can I upgrade my ability to upgrade? I realized a lot of it stemmed from like feeling lack of power, feeling like I wanted more money, feeling like I had certain amount of control in my life, right? Your pain can turn into money. As soon as I see someone else doing something, I know it's possible. Gavin Dantes built a multi-million dollar e-com business and then moved on to creating an education platform on a mission to upgrade millions of minds. Featured in Forms and Inc., Gavin has traveled to over 40 countries. He's an international speaker and was quoted as, quote, the mad scientist of digital marketing and branding by Inc. Magazine. Gavin Dantes lives in Bali and his purpose is to upgrade millions of minds. Hello, Gavin. Welcome to the People of Purpose podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you today about your purpose of upgrading millions of minds. Incredible. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Very good. Very good. So you're in Bali today. Um, you got your backdrop of your team here and your, um, your setup. And I wanted to first start talking about how you said it to me um, before the interview that your intention was to connect people to something that they already know, that there's something out there that they need to, but they need someone like yourself to articulate exactly what they've been feeling. Mm. That is like a really interesting way to frame your intention. Can you kind of expand upon that? Um, and, and tell me why you're in this seat today. Yeah, thank you for leading with that, actually, because this is one of the most uh, powerful concepts that I've run into over the years. And a lot of people who will reach out to me after these podcasts will reach out to me because I, I talk about things like The Matrix, the movie. And, you know, when you decode The Matrix and you realize it's an allegory from the book called Simulacra and Simulation, like a nonfiction book, you realize every single character is like a part of our psyche and then a part of the system, right? So Neo was the neocortex and Trinity was the heart and Morpheus was the truth and the Oracle was the intuition. And you go on and on and there's so much deep level meaning. And if you remember the different times in the movie when, you know, one part when Trinity is telling him about Morpheus and then when he sits down with Morpheus and Morpheus says, you know, you know there's something wrong with the world. You felt it in your entire life like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. So what Morpheus is doing or what the truth is doing is trying to penetrate into how he's been feeling inside and his heart and his, and his mind to let him know, I get it, and you're not crazy. And then articulating it in a way to him where he's like, man, this guy must know something. I have to follow that path. That's when you get the red pill, blue pill moment where you can go back to how things used to be and you know where that path leads and nobody wants to go down there who's waking up a bit. Or you can move into discovering more truth and you get to go on that hero's journey, that courageous path. But we all need that person to come around because we're so used to our friends and our parents and the people around us, most of us at least, not understanding us as like the black sheep or the dark horses or the people who just 
don't necessarily fit into society. We're trying to do something outside of the norm. So until we get that mentor, that person who comes around and says, you're not crazy. Here's how you're feeling. I get it. I've been there. Let me take you down the path. Uh, the Sherpa up the mountain, so to speak, right? The one who's walked the path who can then say, I know where you want to go. I can help you go get there. But I first have to show you I get you. Wow. That's, that's beautiful, man. I love how you phrased that. So I'm assuming you're the one that, that can be someone's mentor. Is that kind of where you're and at? I think, I think anyone can be a mentor who's walked a path and seen it from as many perspectives as possible. Uh, so when I say that, I'm like, I don't necessarily look at the person who's done one thing one way and maybe got success at that as like the best mentor. But the person who's failed in every avenue or failed so many different times and seen the world from so many different perspectives, got up when they are get knocked down and you know, all of this over time, you gain so much wisdom from that multiple perspective understanding. And you can see the things that people are going to be going towards and be like, ah, you don't might not want to go that way. Right? Like I've gone there. That doesn't work that well. Or so you get this different perspective. This is like a, a chess player. You never want to just, you know, hire a, a chess player as a mentor who's like won one game one time, you know? Right. You, you hire the person who's always five steps ahead because they've seen the game from so many perspectives. They've played thousands of people. They've seen it all. And now you learn from them because they see all the things that you don't. They see all your uh, blind spots. Yeah, man, that makes a lot of sense. And I, you said that you're 33 before the interview started. So it seems as if you're kind of in that sweet spot of you, you've done the things to really try and knock your head against the wall and fail. And you've gotten yourself back up to where now you've formed as a multi-million dollar e-commerce company. And now you're creating like a platform for people to, to wake up to this and to upgrade their mind. Mm. What exactly do you mean when you talk about upgrading minds? Why did you choose that terminology? Man, that's so powerful. Well, there's actually so many angles we can go on this, but just, Imagine the brain, like overall, let's say we're all hardwired almost the same, right? As a human being, right? We've evolved for thousands and thousands of generations and we have this need to survive with our like amygdala, our, our lower level brain, and then our mammalian brain that learned all these complex emotions so we can survive in tribes. And now we have this neocortex. It's like a higher thinking brain. It allows us to look five, 10 years into the future if we want. It allows us to uh, solve complex problems. It's it's a very intelligent brain. But let's say we're all hardwired with this just like base level consciousness. If we were born 2000 years ago, we would all still be cavemen because we'd have a lack of knowledge. We wouldn't have the ability to just take out your smartphone and upgrade our brain with new software, with new information, with new knowledge. So if you're just in the woods, if you're in the woods right now, born into the into the jungle, you'd be the same brain as you were 10,000 years ago. We haven't evolved that much biologically. But since we have this access to new information, we can upgrade exponentially. So yeah. we can have two human beings, let's say both versions of ourselves, one was born in the jungle, one is born into the modern world with unlimited information. The level of intelligence in the same lifetime is going to be you know, 500, 1,000 times more, maybe even more than that. So when I started looking at that, I'm like, okay, Stephen Hawking's actually wrote about this where he says, we have maybe about 100 million bits of uh, useful information that's just in our DNA when we're born. And that could be at about 50, like 50 books worth of information. So if you read 100 books throughout your lifetime, 2,000 books, like how much are you increasing exponentially? But then that's just one side. You can 
you just stack information in your brain or you can think, how, how can I actually just like upgrade my operating system? Because if you look at just operating systems in general, some of them are very good and some of them are very bad. And a lot of people are using the operating system from their culture, from society, from the education system. And these are really low level operating systems. So first we have to go back to the foundation and say, how does our mind work? How can I upgrade my ability to upgrade? So it's like you're upgrading your own upgradability. And then now you're this like supercomputer walking around, finding the best knowledge in each area. So look at all these people, like a Dr. David Buss, who's like the top evolutionary psychologist. This guy studied really why human beings do what they do from such a scientific perspective over such a long period of time. You're now going to the top of the knowledge and then working your way up. So upgrading yourself with the best knowledge and then working your way up and doing that in each area. So you can start to biohack, have the best health you want, to understand male-female dynamics so you can have better relationships between your lover or the people around you. Learning how human dynamics work in general so you have better friendships and you can sell better. Um, learning just how to be able to achieve more things and decode with natural laws of the universe, cause and effect. and You really just go and you decode reality so you have more power. And then you utilize that hopefully for good because it's a neutral... Uh, it's neutral. If you learn how to persuade, you can use it to, you know, hurt somebody or help somebody. You can take fire and cook your food with it or burn someone alive with it, right? So now it dep depends on your values, your morals, and all that, but the actual intelligence remains the same. Yeah. Wow. That's profound. And yeah, so I come from Kansas and you, you mentioned, like, that really hit home for me when you said, like, it's a pretty low level operating system if you go with what your culture that you're born into or your school is from. Um, because in Kansas, I was raised with a very traditional set of beliefs around you go to school, you get a job, you get make 40K a year, you go to your nine to five. This was like extremely common. And every time I go back, people act as if it's this impossible dream to be able to live in Thailand and to be an entrepreneur and to like get married to you know, a Thai my Thai wife and all this sort of stuff. And I would love to like break that pattern. Like how have you found success in like being a, a pattern interrupt for people that are um, of this kind of mindset or from this culture? How do you like catch onto that little string and that they're open to change and you pull on that? Yeah. So this is the, this is the thing you just said, that little string that they're open to change. Some mm -hmm. people are, are just completely closed to it in the first place. And that's a very difficult job to yeah. like go in there and try to like change someone who's not on that path. But just remember in the matrix, right? Every time at the beginning of every movie, Neo, who represents the neocortex, his eyes are closed. And then he always is opening up his eyes. It's the representation that he's starting to wake up. Yeah. So in that, it says like on his computer, wake up, Neo. And then it's like, follow the white rabbit. This is where, again, you start to see signs. When, I, when I'm saying signs, like, and you step into the stream of synchronicity, let's say, I'm not getting woo-woo with this, being like every time you see 11-11, your life is like blah, blah, blah. But it's like there are little things that will start to happen, and they'll start to say, hey, Gavin, there's something more going on here. You should probably do something a little bit different than you've been doing. So an example for me is, when I had my near-death experience, uh, I tell this story a lot, but I'll just like make it short where I was like upside down falling off this cliff and I got caught by two tree, two tree branches. I looked around on the cliff. I was upside down 
and there was no other tree branches. And it was like, what the hell? How did I get saved here? And I got down, I started asking myself questions like, man, would I, would, would I have mattered? Like, cause I was like doing nothing with my life at the time. Like, what would people have set up my funeral? Like, wow, the guy had so much potential, but he did nothing with it. You know, or did I pursue my passions? Did I go after something purposeful? Did I waste this like gift of life? I remember that feeling. And then like a little while later, I met a mentor. I met this guy a year before he had gotten out of jail. Because uh, at the time before too, I was like, selling drugs. I was doing things that not necessarily in my highest purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I met this guy and he was like flipping tires in this back lane. He's hitting things with sledgehammer. I'm, I'm just walking by and I'm in jeans and full clothes. And he's like, want to work out? And usually I would say no, because that's my normal identity. That's not what I do. My identity isn't the person that's going to work out in jeans and a shirt. And I wasn't even really working out at the time. I was smoking weed and drinking. So at the time, because of what happened before, I said, like, fuck it. I'm going to do something different. And this is a lot of what happens when we're waking up. We have to step outside of this identity that we've trained ourselves to believe we are. And then I end up getting this mentor. He teaches me like how to work out and train. I start building my body, building confidence because I started to see more of the cause and effect relationship. Whereas if I do something uh, consistently over time, I get results. I'm like, what other areas in life can I do this? And again, this is where the principles of the universe come into place where you start to realize, wow, I can do this and I can get this. Mm. But it doesn't happen overnight. There's a gestation period. You plant a seed, it doesn't sprout the next day, and it doesn't grow into the harvest the next day. You keep watering it consistently over time, and you reap big rewards. You can do that in every area of your life. But since people don't see the instant gratification, just kind of like when they look up and look at the moon, you don't see it moving, but it's always moving. People's brains want that immediate, I eat the donut, oh, it tastes so good, you know? But they don't see the relationship between breaking down and the muscle hurting for long-term happiness and fulfillment, right? They don't see that relationship. So it's like I go through a lot of pain every single day to some level, whether it's working out, stretching, you know, everything. And you push yourself just a little bit past your comfort zone in each of these areas. And you don't actually spend all your day in pain. You actually spend a small amount of your day in pain just pushing that little extra. And then over a long period of time, you gain so much meaning and fulfillment because you get good at things. You have more skills to help people with. You become somebody that you're like proud of being and all of these things come from that. And then you start to, especially when you start to push the direction of purpose, how can I help as people as possible with my strengths, gifts and talents that I've developed? And now you have more responsibility and with responsibility comes meaning. Wow. I love how you put that. Without responsibility. Yeah. So, yeah, this is exactly the trajectory I followed, too, like almost to the T. I almost died as well, falling off of a cliff. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. Crazy. I I was at Yosemite National Park. I was tumbling uh, like about 40 feet on an 80 degree slope and then a 20 foot uh, cliff face. I flipped over that and I landed on the rocks at the bottom. And I had no control over how I landed, but I landed on my butt. And I, I survived. Everything went white. Everything went soundless. I felt like I had a choice to pull myself back in and live or give up. I heard my brother's voice screaming for me. I got up and dumped my face into a waterfall. And then I passed out and like went into shock. And I got, yeah, they brought search and rescue team. I stayed the night on the mountain. I got helicoptered out in the morning time. And that was, that was the beginning of my purpose journey when I was 19. That's cool. Wow. You hear that, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it was, for me, it was 25. So it's, I wish, I wish it was earlier for me, but at the same time, it's all our journeys. 
I'm really grateful for it now. Like at the beginning, I was like, geez, like my brain hurts. My body is broken. I also was so disillusioned as well. Like, did I have any meaning or purpose while I was living here? Like, what did I squander? What are my greatest gifts and how, how do I need to like let them actually shine? Who do I need to apologize to? What am I holding on to that's like resentful? Um, yeah, just all this sort of stuff. And as I looked inside, looked inside, started these daily habits of consistently improving my health, like holistically health. Um, now I'm to the point where I'm living a life that is aligned with my purpose. And I feel like I'm impacting people's lives and I'm stepping into responsibility. Um, I'm, I just got married to my Thai wife and we're moving to the U S and I'm like sponsoring her green card and all this sort of stuff. Mm. It feels like really wonderful to be so responsible now. I mean, responsibility is coming from a place of purpose and passion and self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah, It's amazing. The impact that you can have on other people's lives. So how I look at it is it's as you wake up more and more and more, Mm. it's your duty, obligation, and responsibility to help people like reach your hand back and say, Hey, I'm going to help you up to the next level. You know? So this is like, it's so freaking valuable. And some people like look at personal development as personal development. And yes, it is. You're developing yourself personally, but the ripple effect that that has is like unbelievable. It's like, you almost can't see it when you're first starting and realize like how much it's going to impact everybody around you. Because the energy you emit affects everyone you touch, everyone you talk to in a day, right? Yeah. Every, every, even how you hold your body posture, every word you speak, the tonality, all of these things affect everybody around you. So we can either sit in suffering and actually make other people suffer more because we're staying in our suffering. Because let's just say like Jordan Peterson talks about, let's say at a baseline, like life to some level is suffering. It's like we know we're born into something that we can't control we're born into a biological body that's decaying we're basically going to see our friends and family around us die or we're going to die before this is a kind of harsh reality when we actually think about it so we could sit there and we could just be depressed about it and then we could make everybody else's reality around us even worse or we can step the fuck up and say i'm going to do whatever i can to build myself so when everyone when people around me die i can be there to support the others that need it the most because I can think a little bit beyond and I, I can be there and see, yes, this is reality. This is harsh, but it's the truth where other, everyone else is falling apart and their life is going to shambles and we're keeping them like stable, right? Uh-huh. Like that's the mindset. And these are deeper level mindsets of not how can I just like be happy in the moment? How can I be an in instant gratification? A lot of the delusion and like the new age movement is about always being in bliss and happiness. And I'm like, that's a bunch of bullshit. We're the full spectrum of emotions. Feel it all and be able to handle it when it comes around. But don't always stay in bliss and avoid the reality of the situation. There is harsh reality. Yeah. When did you learn this sort of idea? Like this is a very, um, like the catchphrase I'm thinking of is like personal development is purposeful development. It's like you can take a step beyond yourself um, to where you're like actually that rock to support others. It also has like a very masculine notion to it as well like i can see you're very like embodied in your masculinity mm-hmm. how did you like when did you realize this sort of stuff that you had been like kind of feeble in your self-awareness towards your purpose and now you could be someone that yeah. was rock for people pain pain, pain. yeah experiencing okay. a lot of pain a lot of emasculation a lot of feeling like a fucking loser a lot of not being able to help anybody uh you know i had an experience i lived in africa for a year when i was younger and unfortunately, this, this 
is really coming out now. But for many years, as I was selling drugs and doing other things that had no nothing to do with purpose, I realized a lot of it stemmed from like feeling lack of power, feeling like I wanted more money, feeling like I had certain amount of like control in my life. Right. Um, When I was in Africa, I was running home this one day to get my allowance for my parents. It was five dollars. Uh, I was going home. I was going to go buy some candy with it. And I was running home to like get this thing, instant gratification, buy whatever I wanted, like for, for, for a little kid. I walk up to my front gate and I see someone lying there, like wrapped up in blanket, like uh, this blanket. And then I keep getting closer and closer. And I see this woman lying there and she had her tiny little baby and they were both dying. And I was like, and then she reached up like this. And I was like, oh, Uh, 11 years old and I was like immediately that five dollars meant nothing to me like what the hell am I going to go buy candy for when this woman needs it so much more and I remember that feeling there was like two feelings though one was like okay I went out I gave her the money I was like well that felt like good to give or whatever like good for me pat on the back or whatever but then the other it was like damn I'm fucking powerless to help people what five dollars what does that do this woman's going to die and her baby's going to die. $5 is going to help her survive. So having that feeling of complete powerlessness, I didn't know has like been with me for so long. Uh, but it, it manifested in different ways. A lot of it manifested in me just trying to make money however I could and feel like I always had money so I could buy people things, so I could buy drinks, so I could like look cool or you know, always have that feeling. Uh, but I didn't understand that that's where a lot of it stemmed from. But so much pain, man, so much like getting evicted from my apartment, going through ups and downs in businesses, failing over and over, making so many mistakes. Uh, all that pain was like, man, I, I, I need to like get out of this to get to a point where I can help other people get out of this. And it's funny, like your pain can turn into money if you know, if you understand this, because what you go through, if you look at every one of the greatest movies, movies of all time, they're all the hero's journey. They're all loss and redemption. Look at like Rocky 1 or Rocky 5000, right? Like these movies, they all have this person who like wants it, going for the goal. They get knocked down. They get back up. They struggle through it. They go through all the ringer. They finally get to the point where they either win the championship or they come really close, maybe they lose. It doesn't matter if they win or not, though. At the end of the day, we look at them. And it's the person they became in the process who are impressed with. It's not the end goal. So if you think about it from that perspective, the end goal is not the end goal. And the end goal is who you're going to become in the process. Now you're no longer like, oh, I need to achieve this next year. I'm not going to be happy. Every day you can progress and build yourself. Yeah, and it really helps you build gratitude for where you're at every day as well, too. You're not staking your self-esteem on your like markers of success. It's just like, Today, I had a good attitude. Today, I embraced uncertainty. Today, I gave before I received. It's just like little things that you can kind of track and uh, like you're progressing as a purposeful, generous, you know, joyful individual. And I think that is important. Mm. Um, So I was looking at your Instagram and I was really interested to like see some of your top books that you had been reading. And so many of them align with my top books, which is insane. Um, and I was looking at your list from 2015 and you had a Nassim Taleb book and a Russell Brunson book. Um, I feel like this is a stage of life I'm in, in my business journey right now. I'm a little younger than you in my entrepreneur journey. Um, and I, I'm just personally curious about how these kind of books really helped you understand how you could step into your role, your voice and your agency at like telling your story, 
finding clarity in chaos, um, saying yes without like necessarily seeing anyone else or, or ever experiencing that kind of success that you're constantly visioning. Mm. Can you talk about those kind of things? Yeah, sure, man. There's, there's so much, right? You can go into so many details with that. Um, I'll go back like eight years ago when I remember watching a video with Tim Ferriss on YouTube and he was speaking in front of the crowd and he was doing a Q&A at the end and he just knew stuff about everything. I was like, how the hell does this guy know stuff about all these things? <laughs> I feel the same time, way about him. I, hadn't read, I hadn't read a personal development book till I was 25 years old. So uh, I had never I've read, I've read like over 500 books at this point in the last eight, eight and some years. And at the time I'd known nothing about this. So I'm looking at this guy like he's an alien. I was like, that's impossible for me to ever be able to do that. I remember that feeling like, how is that even possible? You know? And now I speak on stages like around the world and I'm sure there's other people who feel that same thing, right? You're like, I could never do what he's doing. How can he know all these things about these different things? And there's like an exponential curve that happens. It's like you go a long time feeling like you're not really progressing and not really changing. And then you take this leap and it just keeps happening. And then sometimes you get to the point too, where you're like, damn, I know nothing about anything, which then you empty your cup again, but then you still have this foundation built and you keep going up. One of, yeah. One of the books was like from Tim Ferriss, which was the four hour work week. Yeah. And there yeah. was so many different books like that that were just like turning the world upside down. It was like the opposite to everything you've been taught. Yeah. And then it was like, I felt this, I knew this, like what the heck was, like I knew when I was in school, when I was sitting there only daydreaming and my teacher was like calling me out for daydreaming, embarrassing me in front of the class because I didn't know the answer because I was thinking about doing something better than sitting there doing this rote learning. <laughs> uh, I knew there was something more, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know to go read personal development books. I didn't know. I just knew that I wanted to go like build my strengths, gifts, talents. I was always good at sports. I was always good at physical stuff. I, I was never good with just sitting there and following this one structure over and over. It seemed like such BS to me the way they were teaching, but I didn't know why. There was like sheep. I was like watching everyone not thinking outside of the box. They're all thinking in the box only. And there was always something wrong with that. Then you find a book like the four hour work week it turns it all upside down and then shows someone else is doing it. And then as soon as you see someone else is doing it, at least for me, some people don't have this, but as soon as I see someone else doing something, I know it's possible. Yeah. Like I'm not going to, there's, there's a way to figure it out. And I, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I'm going to create that life. Like it is what it is. And then I ran into a video by Brian Swan called create your perfect day. And this is a 30 minute video. Eight years ago, Brian lives five minutes from me now. And he just said, me and my family have been traveling around the world for four years. We went bankrupt. All this stuff happened. We've been just traveling nonstop since. We learned how to build our business on the internet. I just surfed the world's best waves. My wife does this. My daughter, since her daughter was one year old. And they've been traveling for the last 12 years straight. And at the time, he's like, you have to do this exercise. If there were no limitations and no consequences, what would your perfect average day in the life look like? If you had to live the same day over and over again, because you were just forced to, and it was like the least boring day to live over and over again, that had the most purpose in it, passion, all these things, what would it look like? So from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, and I wrote out six pages of what I wanted my life to look like. And six years later, that was exactly my life. So what like that? Two what's that? How did you want it to look like? And how is it looking yeah. today? 
six, six pages. So, well, now it's even different because it's evolved even better. It's way better than those six pages was. But it's like, this is the whole mindset of your mind is like Google for goals. You type in a small keyword, you're going to get like all random answers. You Imagine typing in six pages into Google and getting that very specific answer. That's how our brain works. So I got so specific on my vision, not just how much money I want to make, not just how I want my health to look at all of it, like the movie in my mind of who I wanted to be, how I wanted to feel, what kind of conversations I was having, what type of people I was surrounded by, what food I was eating, what, what, what did I see when I woke up in the morning? You know, um, what was I doing for passion? What was I doing for purpose? All of it holistically as a movie. And then your reticular activating system now knows, okay, I'm going to reverse engineer. What kind of business do I need? What books do I need to read? What mentors do I need? What skills do I need? Then you can actually reverse engineer exactly what to do. You first architect the blueprint, like an architect, and then you go and reverse engineer exactly how you need to do it. And then there's many variables along the way that you figure out, of course. There's a lot of randomness and a lot of adaptability. And that's why you build yourself with personal development books because sometimes you get knocked down and got to figure things out. But it's actually a very logical process because we live in a very like specific universe. If I drop something right now, I know what's going to fall. And yes, there's quantum reality in the mind where we can have some randomness, but overall Newtonian physics is working most of the time or not most, it's working all of the time in the physical universe. So, okay, then I, that means I can create things within the physical environment that I want if I just decode and reverse engineer. How did you go about thinking about telling your story? Like right now I'm reading dot-com secrets by Russell Brunson and you're creating your attractive character. You're creating your communication funnel, the soap opera sequence, the Seinfeld sequence, all this sort of stuff. And I know that you've mentioned that this book blew your mind. I saw like one post specifically about it. How did you go about marketing your story before you had the kind of story that, that you dreamed of having? Like, do you manifest it? Do you, are you raw and honest about where you are now in your journey? How do you go about telling your story when you're the very first, second chapter of saying yes to like life design, entrepreneurship and all this sort of stuff? Yeah. There's, there's so many layers to peel back of the onion of your story. It's very for you to understand like who you're trying to serve. So I don't, I don't like to get so, so laser specific where I'm like, I'm going to tell just this story. So I get just this result only. I'm going to tell the stories that gave me the epiphany moments, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like when I tell the perfect day story, that's because that was the thing that gave me an epiphany moment. When I told the Tim Ferriss thing, it was like, I remember the feeling of not being able to do it. And then I also remember the feeling of reading his book and be like, oh my God, this is I, I remember the feeling of being in school, being a total outcast, like sitting there and the teacher making me feel like an idiot because I was daydreaming when I was actually just working on my visioning muscles, right? So it's like, there's always a ways to flip everything. And especially for entrepreneurs, we need to feel like we're not alone. So when people listen to these stories, I'm just re relating to my audience because I know they're going through the same thing. I know they're feeling the same thing. I know they felt a lot of it their entire life, but they just didn't understand it. They, and, and they went down many different paths that were the wrong paths for them because they didn't have anyone around them who understood them. Imagine if we had people at a young age discovering, be like, damn, you're going to be a great entrepreneur one day. This is why, because you have this strength and you're, you're like, you think this way and blah, blah, blah. And then they showed us to ourselves so we can start developing ourselves. That's why books like Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker are some of the most important books to read. You can't manage time. 
Time exists regardless. You can only manage yourself. So time management doesn't really even make sense. You can't manage it. You can manage yourself within time. So if I start to figure out what my strengths, gifts, talents are, that means I can spend a lot less time getting a lot more results because I'm producing a lot more value in less time because I've developed myself. Then I can outsource the things that I'm weak at and I can build the team around a vision. And then together we're extremely powerful towards that vision because we're all playing in our zones of genius like a freaking machine working together for something. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. I love how you put that. It's like, this is how you first begin to be entrepreneurial about your life and then how to actually be a true entrepreneur in business too. Um, let's talk first about like the life thing. How did you get yourself into a sustainable position where you could support yourself to fully step into your vision? Did you need to see money? Did you need to see financial freedom first? Or did you just start acting as if it was inevitable from the get-go? As soon as I saw the perfect day video, I, I basically knew it was inevitable. But there's so many layers, man. Like the amount of times I've had zero confidence, like from that video, I went through like, at first I was starting to make some money. Then a company went under and I lost everything that I'd built. And I was like, had a reoccurring rent. So then I was like evicted from my apartment. I was going through like that. I had to go back work shitty jobs. Like I've gone through so many things. Even at 29, I went back to have a, a dishwashing job because my confidence was so low after getting beat up so many times that I actually just couldn't go get a better job. Like there's something blocking my brain. Oh, so really? I had a job, uh, uh, a job because he was the manager of this restaurant. So I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do it. Even then, like, even though my confidence was so low, I had freaking one earphone in the whole time of just the same audiobooks over and over again, like Joe Dispenza, mm -hmm. um, breaking the habit of being yourself and some, uh, and some high level marketing things that I listened to over and over and over again. And then two months later, I went from zero to 80,000 on my e-com business. Man. So it was like that first month. And then that year scaled it to 3 million. So I, from dishwashing to like two months later starting, you know, so it's like things can change fast, but also on the entrepreneurial roller coaster, you can have all the skills and you can be like such a high, like in terms of your personal development and you can still lose all confidence when everything around you is falling apart and all the money is gone. And you know, all, like everything, Everyone around you is like, I thought you were going to make it, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you can really get low. But I still knew it was inevitable. That's, I wouldn't have had the audiobooks in my ear. If not, anybody listening to this right now, even if they're low or lacking confidence or uh, in an insecure place or any of that, the fact that they're here right now shows that they believe in themselves or they wouldn't be yeah, here. Definitely. Right? So there's a piece to that where it's like, if you know you're doing these things, and you know you're going to get something from this and like apply something or something's going to click and you're going to keep doing that, it ends up becoming inevitable that you're going to reach your goals. But the thing is you have to really let go of ego. And if you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, you also have to look, is this just my action? Is that why I'm not getting it? Or is it just the gestation period? Like when you plant the seed and you don't expect it to sprout the next day or more entrepreneurship, the bamboo tree where it's like you water it every day for the five years and then finally it sprouts and grows multiple feet a day. Like I really believe that that was my life, that I was like constantly watering it, like doing everything I could to learn as much, read as many books as possible, take these actions, start this business, do that, all this stuff, 
to eventually accumulate to like going from zero to 80,000 a month and then zero to 3 million. Not that just happened. That was from so many split tests, so many tests, so like over and over failing, making mistakes, and then seeing branding and marketing and direct response and all of this and like seeing it so many steps beyond. You know, I, I was watching these people doing these drop shipping videos and I, did, I didn't do drop shipping, but it was like a similar model. And I was just watching them on these kids like just started a year ago and they were making money. And then I looked at what they were doing. I was like, oh my God, these guys suck at this. I was like, I can do that. And I had not, not done e-commerce at that point, but I saw the opportunity and I saw that my skills matched the opportunity. So it's like when preparation meets that opportunity, that's when it can happen. Tell me more about that. Like, why did you feel like your skills were, were aligned with e-commerce? Um, and how did that kind of play a role in your purpose journey as well? It's a good call. Like, so this really wasn't a, a purpose-driven business. This was an opportunity I, I found because I was, again, I was doing social media marketing. I was trying to build apps. I was, man, there's so many different things that I tried to do. Affiliate marketing, lots of things. And I was working with this guy. And we were doing some social media marketing for some businesses. And I was watching these YouTube videos. I was like, man, this, this e-com thing, like, I'm like, I can totally do this, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about the back end. I just knew that I could market it. I would be able to write the copy, make the brand nice. I would be able to, um, do Facebook ads, you know, these kind of things. So I was like, if I can like figure out how to do that other side, this is going to be easy. And then my friend was like, Oh, I have a store. It's not really doing much right now. Like just did a couple of things with influencers, but you can like test it. And I looked at it. I didn't really see like that it was that great or anything, but I'm like, okay, let me test this. And then I just started testing it, man, with like small ad budget, ran it to like 10 different audiences, tried to find like what the best audience was. It was like a little car mount at the time uh, that was like more fashionable than the old clunky like window mount. So we had this like kind of Apple angle, like that was the old, this is the new. We did a video for it. Um, that video ended up getting like 8 million views. Um, and it was just like understanding that first off, the internet gives you full testability. So you can go out and you can test and then the audience tells you who they are. Yeah. You test them. Then you take that understanding and this is where the psychology, studying so many books on marketing and psychology gave me a totally different perspective. So as soon as I knew who the audience was, well, then I, we changed the pictures, the colors, the copy, everything to match this specific person. Then that skyrocketed the conversions. And then that allowed us to be able to outspend all of our competition. And also making it a premium brand. We called it like the magnet mount versus like, uh, you know, car mounts or whatever. We called it the magnet mount, which made it like the original. So people like got to the website and they were like, oh, this is the magnet. And then just like Kleenex, is not it's just, it's just a brand it's not the actual thing the tissue right everyone's always asked do you have a kleenex even if it's a different company so then yeah. we started getting all this google traffic from whoever else was like promoting similar products and everyone's like oh is that a magnet mount right so we start dominating that space the category which you always want to do is dominate a category uh because then you're the first in the mind when people think about it uh so we built our whole branding as like an ontological feedback loop Every time we would test something, we would build that back into the marketing. And then the marketing would build that. It was just constant testing to fine tune it to the point where at one point we were scaling it to like 20,000 uh, or more a day. And we were at like 10% conversions. It was crazy. 
Most people were at like 3% conversions and we were charging more than all of our competitors because the branding was so much more higher end. So people wanted ours versus the competitor, even though it was almost the same product. So there's many layers to this. How it relays to purpose is that I just started to realize that this is not what I want to be putting my skills towards. I want to be making an impact on this world. And it's not like the product was bad or anything. It just, that didn't excite me getting up in the morning. So I was like, what did excite me? Well, things that do excite me are education, things that we're doing right now, mm-hmm. like increasing the brain's ability to understand, understand ourselves better, make your experience within reality better, learn how to take your products and services that are good for people and get them in the hands of others. These are the types of things that excited me. So I started to realize like if I can help somebody upgrade themselves, allow them to see reality for what it is, allow them to navigate through this world better, allow them to have better relationships and connections with other people. What's that ripple effect going to do? So when I walk around in 10 years, I walk into a coffee shop and people are having these types of conversations versus just, you know, talking about a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So you had... I saw that you had uh, been called a mad scientist of digital marketing and branding by Inc. Magazine. Was this because of what you did with the e-commerce or what you're doing with your current? It was, it was definitely the e-com. So okay. the e-com got us like some notoriety and stuff when we were doing it because of how we were marketing. And, you know, we were everywhere, right? Like our ads were just everywhere. We became extremely omnipresent. Uh, we only promoted our products in the States because so, we wanted to have the two and three day shipping. So we really went hard into the market and just dominated. So everyone who is our target audience in America saw our ads at one point. Uh, and then if you were watching like 50% or more of any video, you're getting retargeted like crazy from like on Google, on this platform, that platform, you were, we were just everywhere. And that was one of our strategies. And we were getting laser targeted with our marketing because if the person was between 18 and 23, we had a girl between 18 and 23 promoting the product just on her iPhone, showing it in her car. So it was laser targeted, like the perfect avatar would be sharing the product with the perfect avatar versus like a generic ad all around, which really lowers conversions. So we would be like getting very specific with our advertising. And then if they'd been to the add to cart or whatever, like we'd had so many sequences in place um, because I just realized the psychology of it. If you get more specific, you get better results. Most people get very lazy with their marketing and just leave up the same ads and hope that they're just going to work forever. When for us, we just realized that that just doesn't work. And we realized drop all ego out of the equations if you want to be a good marketer. Most of what you think is going to work won't. And the things that you think might not work end up working. You have no idea. Once in a while, the thing you think works does work. You feel good for a second and then you move on. But overall, everything's a test and the internet allows you to split tests faster and faster and faster. Back in the day, marketing was really hard. You had to nail your campaigns. You're spending big money on the hope that this campaign was going to crush it. And you're either going to lose a lot of money or you were going to make a lot of money. Mm. Now you can test for such a small amount of money and just do that as fast as possible to find out what actually is working and then you scale. Yeah. No, that's, that's why I say mad scientists. I'm just testing, tinkering. Yeah. Thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Gavin Dantes on Upgrading Millions of Minds. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Gavin talking about his role as a coach for business professionals, 
the to-do list mindset, how he gets things done at work while prioritizing winning at home, and lastly, capturing family victories and staying connected.